BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. All right, everybody, hour number two of your Ben Jarofsky show for Thursday, December 19th is just moments away. But before we get into this, we need to thank the following unions once again for jumping on board and sponsoring this program. First up, it's the International Association of Machinists and Aerospace, not Aerosmith Workers, Local 126 and District 8. The International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local 9. The International Union of Operating Engineers, Local 150. And, of course, today's Ben Jarofsky show for Thursday, December 19th is brought to you in part by our dear friends at the Chicago Federation of Labor. Hour number two, let's go. It is Thursday, December 19th. And live from the Chicago Sun-Times, Chicago Reader Studio on Racine Avenue, this is The Ben Jarofsky Show. In this hour of the program, we're talking impeachment, pensions, and so much more with union man Jeff Johnson and its Cook County Commissioner, Brandon Johnson. Now your host, Chicago Reader columnist, Benny J. Benjarovsky. A lot of Johnsons in the studio. I watch it, buddy. <laughs> Sorry. It's all good. All, good. all good. A lot of Johnsons in the studio today. Jeff Johnson in here. The Keep it clean. <laughs> our uh, pension. <laughs> I know. That's what, I couldn't look at him. Boop, boop. I, <laughs> uh, we have a lot of pension talk to do. We have a lot of political talk. Uh, when I was asking questions of Miles, I was looking at Jeff going, Jeff, this is coming to you next. Because... Uh, before I kick it to you, the the whole notion of like uh, Tulsi Gabbard running president, what a yeah, whip move! Yeah, if you, you know, <laughs> oh my god, pick a side, right? Pick a side. Yeah, uh, that's uh, <laughs> it, it's a weak move. I've always thought that that was weak, you know. And you know, it, you know, contentious or not, you're voted or you know you're elected to make these decisions. Well, and, before we go to the uh, to what update that, uh, Dennis have, I have to say this up uh, in the state house. That's that's where it's a, a big issue, and we don't have to focus in Chicago what's going down in the state house. So uh, state reps and senators realize that you know they could probably get away with stuff that an alderman can't get away with because everybody's watching when the aldermen vote. Yeah, true. But and, in but, the state house, a lot of a lot of times they don't even vote for themselves. It's uh, dictated to them. So the the, yeah. the person's got a tough vote. They're worried about a mailing. If they vote yes on it, like a, like an abortion bill or something, it could be hammered against them one way or the other. So they vote present. <laughs> Nobody's fooled. Exactly. You know? yeah. so, anyway, Tulsi Gabbard, man, I was like, come on, make us take a stand. Don't vote present. Anyway, D, what's your update before we go to Jeff? All right, people, the holidays are on the way. The decade is coming to a close. The year 2020 is right around the corner. And unlike the last governor in Illinois. Yay for our teachers! Yay for our teachers! The current guy running things may have carpal tunnel from signing so much in legislation into law. Yeah, carpal tunnel jokes right here on the Ben Jarofsky Show. Go. And only on the Ben Jarofsky Show. But seriously. 
obviously, thanks to Governor J.B. Pritzker, there are a ton of new laws coming to Illinois in 2020. More than 250, in fact. Holy cow. Mm. And thanks to WTTW Chicago, we have a narrowed list of 20 new laws. And one by one, we are going to find out all 20 of these throughout the holiday season. That's right. People, get ready. Gather around the fire. It's our holiday special. Please don't break out the weed yet, at least for another 13 days. (laughs) As we begin... It's not legal yet. As we begin the 20 new laws of 2020. That's correct. And the sleigh bells. Yeah. It's holiday special, it's you know really what I mean? Good. Our first new law in 2020 involves education and mainly teaching Illinois history. Starting with the 2020-2021 school year, that was hard, all-American history courses in Illinois must include the history of the prairie state. Teaching our future leaders their state's history is a major step. So, how many governors have gone to jail? All right, well, maybe not that part. We probably won't cover that. Wait, sorry, sorry, sorry. Like Abraham Lincoln stuff, the hat. Oh, oh, okay. How many elected officials have been indicted? (laughs) This is a quote from Senator L.G. Sims Jr. Teaching our future leaders their state's history is a major step toward a better Illinois. Uh, Let's see here. It is important that our students learn how our state got to this point so they can get a deeper understanding of society and hopefully join the process of improving Illinois. Oh my God. It's our first <laughs> new law. I think Jeff's attitude pretty much sums my... Yeah, exactly. uh, you know, here's the problem. Uh, in all seriousness, if you're going to teach the history of Illinois, you're going to run into problems if you're a teacher because immediately there's going to be different opinions about different figures in Illinois history. Exactly. So if you're in downstate, you know... Alton, 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 <laughs> Alton teaching Chicago poli- or Illinois politics. You're going to have a different view. Maybe. Yes. Yeah. It'll be all like the, the rip in Chicago politics. Exactly. Yeah. They're the problem. Yeah. They're the problem. Uh, like there's no one from downstate who ever did anything corrupt uh, in his yeah, life. Exactly. Uh, I think Paul Powell's from downstate. This is way before anybody's uh, time. He was the secretary of state. This is before you were born. So be, be, the current one's from Alton. That's correct, Senator. He was born there, Jesse White. Uh, but Paul Powell is the one, when he died, they found uh, shoeboxes filled with cash. <laughs> <laughs> so that should be a chapter in itself. Exactly, yeah. Uh, now, how do you deal with Blagojevich? You know, the impeachment of Blagojevich. Uh, I, I can make a compelling argument that Blagojevich was uh, as unfairly uh Treated as didn't, Donald John didn't Trump. Take a, yeah, didn't take a dime. Didn't take a dime. Didn't take a dime. We got 14 years. You got for every, you got 14 years. Yeah, and man. if people are taking money, you're getting less time. So, you know, how do you teach uh, Bogoyevich? Uh, and, uh, but uh, here's a question, an ethical question. By purging ourselves of Rod Bogoyevich, do we have, did we clean up Illinois politics or we were just hypocritical? That would be a good like yeah. a discussion question, and I'm sure if I did that discussion question, some kid would tell his or her parent. Some parent would get offended, call the principal. Oh, exactly. I get called in. Yeah, because yeah, it's not cut or dry, right? So like it goes back to the uh, partisan aspect of like you know half of them's on one side, half of them on the other, and they're not going to agree on it. Yeah, so it's it's a, it's a, that's a challenge. And and besides, I don't know, like, what would you accentuate in the history of Illinois? So, like, you know what I mean? Like, uh, like who settled Illinois? Yeah. Where, where was Illinois in the in the Civil War? I what mean, presidents came from Illinois? Yeah. yeah. Can you let? Can we name? You know how many? Uh, if I had to guess, two. 
and those two would be uh, Grant and Lincoln. What? No, That's correct. Oh uh, no, damn it. Uh, Lincoln uh, is from Kentucky, and Grant is from Illinois. Grant's from Illinois. Ronald. Reagan, Reagan, that's it. Uh, I get 50%. <laughs> I got a 50 on that. Hey. 50% of my class? It's a B. Hey. I'm an easy grader, man. One down, 19 more to go. Oh, Jesus Christ. It's the 20 new laws of 2020 in Illinois, all throughout this holiday season. Yeah, but I would cons- I- I'll-, I'll give you Lincoln, because no, even though he was born in Kentucky. No, you're right, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, he's, he's from, yeah, you know, he's yeah. he was a lawyer. Land of Lincoln. Yeah, Land yeah. of Lincoln. And yeah. so uh, people forget that Ronald W. Reagan was yeah, uh, exactly. Um, he was what town was it? I can't remember the name uh, of the town. Anyway, um, all right. Uh, yes, I'm looking forward to. And by the way, no prep at all, uh, Jeff. He just throws these bills at me. Random like, stuff. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> it's a good thing I'm rain man. I remember they passing that. Yeah. I, I actually do not remember that no, one passing yeah, at all. No. Uh, but uh, it is one of those things. Uh, yeah, it sound, probably sounded like a good idea at the time. At the time. Now uh, some poor teacher has got an unfunded mandate. And has got to create a syllabus for uh, teaching Illinois, you know, <laughs> history of Illinois. History uh, of Illinois. Just, yeah, add that to the list. The things Asian yeah. carp next. All right. So uh, another uh, point that uh, emerged from our discussion with Miles about impeachment, mm-hmm. uh, in addition to the voting president, I think we all agree that was a weak sauce, as they say in basketball. Uh, come on, Tulsi, you're better than that. Just take a stand. Is the whole notion of bipartisanship. Uh, that is, uh, Jeff, in my humble opinion, so outdated. Uh, somebody was explaining to me. What, fo- do, you mean, what do you mean it's outdated? Well, okay, this is what I mean. Someone was just, I was uh, talking about uh, how Barack Obama uh, was always uh, talking, uh, appealing to people's better, uh, the better parts of people, talking about working with Republicans and Democrats. And someone explained to me, who was even older than I am, uh, with such a thing as possible, that Barack Obama came out of an Illinois politics where Democrats did work with Republicans. James R. Thompson, that was a Republican governor of Illinois when you were a kid at, uh, mm-hmm. in growing up, who uh, worked with Democrats uh, all the time uh, to pass public works bill. George Ryan mm-hmm. went to federal prison, but before he did that, he was very much in the spirit of bipartisanship, mm-hmm. always working with the what, Democrats. What about Edgar? Jay, uh, he's at the yeah. top of the he's list. He's at the top of the list. Yeah, yeah. three Republicans. That you can't find a Republican like them in the national politics right now, mm-hmm. and you can't find any really like them in local politics uh, anymore. And yet, when uh, Barack Obama was coming of age, they were the leaders mm-hmm. of the Republican Party. And so, this explanation was given to me. That's why that shaped Barack Obama's worldview mm-hmm. that Republicans will work with Democrats. So uh, I did an event with uh, Governor Edgar and the night before we met up and he talked about, you know, he goes, Jeff, I'm a Republican. I'm like, I know that. Um, he goes, but back when I was governor, I was more, he goes, by today's standards, I'm considered a Democrat. He goes, I worked across the aisle. He goes, I recognized that unions and the positive impact that they had. He goes, I worked with people across the state. And he goes, nowadays in today's partisan, he goes, I couldn't be a politician. And, you know, it's just it goes to and I think that, you know, you say that uh, Obama was kind of along those lines. I think that he might have had that goal, but I don't think he really fulfilled it, because if you look, you know, a lot of people say for eight years he was a lame duck president. Um, And, you know, to say that, you know, there was other outlaying issues that maybe created like how he didn't uh, get much done. But from Illinois. Right. Uh, When you look at Bush. 
Bush openly gave to Texas. And when asked why, because I'm from Texas, you idiot. <laughs> uh, and almost to the point where yeah. o- Obama was like, you know, Illinois, like, nah, I don't want to get painted with the brush of taking care of Illinois. And in the bipartisan aspect of things, it just really grew divided. And I think you can see kind of that, the tipping point to a point where, you know, our nation became so partisan now and we're just worse off now as it is. So, I mean, you know, I could see the saying he came from that era, but he, I don't think was productive in the sense that of your Thompson's, your Edgar's, where they knew how to make deals, reach across the aisle, shake hands. And, you know, you walk away with 80% of what you want. I walk away with 80% of what I want. And we both walk away with the deal. Yeah, that's what uh, I remember. Sue Sedlowski Garza, the alderman from the tenth, or woman from the tenth ward, uh, at the start of the teacher strike, saying that nobody's going to get everything that they want out exactly. of this, and nobody should get everything. But they were, and she was. By the way, she turned out to be right. Nobody got everything they wanted, yeah. but a deal was reached, and uh, the teachers came off a, a strike. I'm going to uh, defend Obama on this front. Uh, I've been going through this. Uh, assessment of Obama where I've been critical of him in my mind, been reading a lot of books, uh, Jeff, about the early Obama days. Uh, He attempted, in my humble opinion, those first few years to uh, be bipartisan and he got no help or assistance from the Republican. His Obamacare was basically Mitt Romney's plan that Mitt Romney mm-hmm. put through in uh, uh, in Massachusetts. It uh, it was not what the lefties of the party wanted, but and he he distanced the lefties of the party from the process. He reached out. He had a very Republican style plan, and he was rejected rejected by the uh, Republicans. But I think if you look at his history. And I say this now, and I mean no disrespect, but he wasn't very much of a experienced legislator. Oh, that's true, yeah. You know, through his career, right? And so the art of making deals, right? That's what politics is, the art of making deals. And he had this skyrocketing career where he, if you look at his history of like, okay, well, what major bills did he uh, contribute to? Um, yeah, okay. Um, you know, it's so he was a new politician and basically skyrocketed to uh, president. Uh, all right. Speaking of the art of making deals, let's get a, a little local uh, for the moment before I make you uh, explain pension stuff to us. Uh, what's your thoughts about the uh, we had a field day with this yesterday, the great reefer revolt. Oh, uh, yeah. where the, talk about, yeah, the art of making deals. Art exactly. Of making deals. Yeah. Uh, that's what was on full display at the Chicago City Council yesterday. Uh, the uh, the Black Caucus uh, threatened to delay the implementation of the legalization law for uh, six months until July. Uh, until they got a promise from Lori Lightfoot, uh, an assurance that in the next round, at the very least, there'll be uh, black entrepreneurs. And what about the issue of, oh, the governor promised, and then the governor's spokesman comes out, and Jordan (laughs) says, uh, I don't really think we said that. Uh, Wait a minute, hold on. See, this is why, this is why when the teachers went on strike and we'd have debates in the studio, when you were not one of the guys, I was, they, People would, the, the mayor's defenders would say, Ben, the mayor said she's going to hire those nurses and she's going to hire those psych, uh, psychologists and what mm-hmm. have you. And I said, if it's not in writing, yeah, exactly. it's got to yeah. be in writing. Yeah, exactly. You know? <laughs> if it's not written, it didn't happen. It didn't happen. Yeah. Um, yeah, no. And the debate, you can see where, you know, the, the one person's a lawyer. And you totally saw that. It's about Lori Life. Yeah, yeah, full display. 
And, you know, it's, you know, not, I'm not even saying not knowing the parliamentary maneuvers and everything like that, but it was a matter of, wait, I get to talk. No, you don't. Mm -hmm. But, but no, you know, and four votes later and by the time, and you know, what's funny is you, two points. And I'll, I'll start with the one that struck me as odd when they were talking about the parliamentary aspect of like, wait, no. So if we do this, this happens or wait, this vote won't meet this. The one person in that entire galley that knew more than everybody and that could have easily said, okay, A, B, C, D, sat there and didn't say a word. Uh, you talk about the Ottoman of the 14th War. That is correct. The, <laughs> that is correct. Yep. The senior member of the yeah. council. Yeah. And you, he was in the background just sitting there. He knew the answer. And But to tell you how politics have changed in Chicago and where his role has turned into he didn't say a word. Yeah. And they're arguing about like, well, if we vote yes for this, but no, but I can shut the vote and we can adjourn, but not the, you know. And he's just sitting there never said a word. Yeah. And, you know, it kind of tells you where he's at right now. And that's that stuck out to me as something very interesting uh, from uh, just a historical, the historical aspect. Yeah. And but, um, you know, I get the african-american caucus i get what they were trying for and but to me that should have kind of been addressed prior when they did the recreation or the medicinal licensing aspect of things like that's when you put you put your hooks into it then but uh, nobody was paying attention exactly uh by the way before i move on i have to ask you this question this is a question uh, that uh, i have had great delight with uh, uh fleissner the uh, corporation counsel for foot uh, <laughs> uh, he it turns out uh that he you know has the home in naperville and the, <laughs> the condo in the south loop okay all right we've already okay. dealt with that he's at the homeowner's exemption of one the homeowner said okay made a mistake jeff all right that's why you have erasers on the the pencils okay <laughs> i didn't know that you could only claim <laughs> i use a i use a pen okay use a pen. All right. uh, what's the he, question all right here's the question I've put this question to everybody. Now, it turns out that sometimes, let's give the sometimes a shout out. Uh, Tommy Shuba, did the, the reporter did a deep dive and discovered that Fleissner voted in, uh, in Naperville in the Republican primary yeah. of 2018. If you recall, Jeff Johnson, uh, he, that would have been, he, he, he could have chose between Bruce Rauner yep. and Jeannie Ives, in your humble opinion. Who did Mark Fleissner vote for, Jeannie Ives or Bruce Rauner? Bruce Rauner, 100%. Why do you say that? Uh, Northbrook, yeah, that's a that's the Bruce Rauner foothold. That's the Naperville uh, or Naperville. Yeah, yeah, there you go, Naperville. You can, you yeah, can tell this guy's a Chicago. Yeah, right? Naperville, Northbrook. It's outside of the city. Who cares? Um, but no, uh, Jeannie Ives was way farther south. She had that foothold south. And uh, nah. I, I would I would put my money on uh, Rauner too. Yeah, know, corporate lawyer. He's probably pals with the. Guy. Well, here's my question: Do you whack him for the uh, violation? What do you mean? For the two. Oh, do you fire him? Yeah. Well, let me put it to you. I'll answer your question with a question. Oh, Let's Jesus. say he was an electrician who worked for the city of Chicago, and they discovered God that. <laughs> I would say yes. Yeah. You violated the residency requirement. Violated residency and teachers are getting fired, yeah. and they got investigators. I mean, you. I've. I remember when. Uh, I forget the dude's name, but he worked for the streets and sanitation department, and he was a, a pain in the neck, uh, gadfly to uh, Mayor Daly, and they, they. Oh, the water department guy, right? Water department, yeah. and they yeah. said he had. A, a house in uh, I'm blanking out his name uh, I think his first name was Pat it doesn't matter it, they said he had a house in the mm-hmm. suburbs and he had an apartment in Uptown and they did this huge investigation yeah. and they had him they thought they had him they, they had investigators Jeff like outside his house looking to see when he came in but Frank Avila who was his lawyer said oh. you, he, he on the cross he said to the investigators did you have any staked in the alley 
And they go, no. Well, then you can't say for certain that he didn't come into the apartment. Habit, habit, habit. And, uh, yeah. you know, so Frank Oppler. But here's the other you know, thing, he, too, is this isn't the first residency issue in her administration. That is correct. You know, so, I mean, you know, trying to, you know, have a more of a diverse employment aspect, but you're going to the suburbs a little much here for some of your employment aspects. I, I Listen, man, if you tell me that this guy's the smartest lawyer in the world <laughs> and the most brilliant guy, and he, the city would fall apart without his brilliance enlightening the mayor. Well, exactly. that's a compelling argument. Exactly. There's a lot of lawyers in the city that's of Chicago. That's right. Yeah, so, exactly. And, and many of them are Democrats, I might add. He <laughs> <laughs> uh, yep. did not vote for Bruce Rauner exactly. or Genie. All right, uh, but I think you're right. It was a, it's, he just sounds like a Bruce Runner type of guy. All right, now here's a question. Uh, that you're our pension question, man. This came yes. in between the... Uh, somebody uh, emailed me and wanted to know, they heard you on the show, mm-hmm. and they wanted to know uh, the issue of for aldermen. When are aldermen eligible to draw city pensions? How huh. long do they have to be aldermen? Go. Good question. Um, so aldermen uh, prior to 2011, if you were elected alderman prior to 2011, you could pay into the aldermatic plan where for a regular city employee, you pay 8.5% of your check. Uh, for the aldermatic plan, you can pay basically 12% of your check. And at 20 years, you max out. So at 20 years, you can retire with a pension. A uh, full pension. A full pension. And Eight, what would that be? 80% of right now, all the max salary is about $118,000. So you get 80% of that after 20 wow. years. And the thinking was that's basically five elections. So if I can survive five elections, five go-arounds, and that's why it's somewhat of the accelerated uh, pace. Um, the interesting point that some of these aldermen, when they get elected, they don't know. Um, we try and tell them. If you're elected after 2011, because there was a big wave of after 2011s, um, and they're tier two. They are in the same pension plan as every other city employee hired after 2011. They have to work till they're 67. They have to do 40, or 40 years or whatever it is. And, yeah, basically they cannot draw a pension till they're 67. I got you. And so in, even if they're defeated... Uh, as an alderman, they don't run for re-election, mm-hmm. uh, but they get another job. They have to get another job. They have to have that other job until they have to be 67 years yes. old, just yeah. whether they're working or whether not. they're working or not. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, anyway, so it's 80 percent. OK, I think yeah. that answers uh, the person. I forget who it is, because the question had to do. I think it was I think I told you it was Danny Solis, who mm-hmm. was the alderman for many years of the 25th Ward. Uh, and, and yeah, the interesting thing about that is and like for the Muni Fund, um, the only way you lose your pension is if it is committing a felony in relation to your job. So if you're committed of a felony and like, you know, I strangle you, well, it's not related to my job per se, so I don't lose my pension. But if it's something, yeah, exactly. Uh, but if, if you don't strangle Ben, eh, yeah, yeah. he's uh, tempted sometimes. Yeah, exactly. Answer a question with a question. Yeah. Um, so uh, like if you're a fireman and you hack somebody up with a saw, well, did you learn that? Learning how to use a saw on the tr- on the job. Well, they can kind of tie that together. But no, all in all, it's if you commit a felony in relation to your job. And we've had a couple since I've been on the board where it's like, well, no, it's clear, direct, you know, felony related to their job. So it'll be interesting to see how that plays out with some of our elected officials. Because if it's related to their job, 
Bye-bye pension. Well, I'm thinking about Danny Solis, and that, that leads me to the next question. There was another question where I just remembered that someone asked, and I didn't know the answer to it, so it's a pension-related question, an Eddie Johnson pension-related question. Mm-hmm. Before I get to that, uh, so Danny Solis, as far as I know, has never been charged with any crime. Yeah. Uh, there was an investigation into him, and then he co- became a cooperating witness. So my read based on what you said is that he will he should be eligible for his pension yeah he's never been charged with a crime right now he's not charged with anything yeah and he is yeah, I, I don't know if he's applied for his pension or not so i don't know if he's drawing or not be quite honest well and i i would make the argument uh <laughs> at the risk of offending all my uh anti-danny solis listeners that he probably did as much as anybody to quote unquote up and I have it in quotes, clean up Chicago politics by wearing the wire on Burke. I mean, you can make the argument, you know. Uh, uh, I don't know if you're going to, you know, put a street for him in a 25th Ward yet or not. I'm not I don't know about that, but. Uh, you could make that argument. Who was in the movie? I, I always forget it. The guy who was became a, a former, oh, it was a great flick. I forgot I re- forgot it the last time I referred to the movie. Which movie? Um, Johnny Depp and. Oh, uh, Donnie Brasco. Donnie Brasco. Man. Wasn't for Donnie Brasco, you know what I'm saying? True, yeah. um, who play? Who was in a movie with Depp? There was two. Uh, John, Johnny Depp, uh, Al Pacino, De Niro or Pacino? No, Pacino. Oh, was it Pacino? Yeah. Pacino was yeah. the one that he uh, betrayed. Yeah, he betrayed yeah. Pacino. Oh, I love Pacino. All right. Anyway, so the Eddie Johnson question okay. is this: Okay, Eddie Johnson, of course, mm-hmm. a long uh, time uh, police officer in the city of Chicago. Correct. Uh, he was police chief. A uh, police chief. He retired. Mm-hmm. Um, he gets some kind of pension. Right? Yes. Uh, I don't know what it is, but I don't know how many years he was on the job. Uh, roughly 29 or 30. He was right around 29 or 30. So how many years do you have before you max out with a police? Uh, police, you need 29 in a day. So 29 years in a day. And, you know, your last eight years, it's your highest four in a row. Mm-hmm. So the, the, he was crying. He, he was trying to hold on for the last four years as a superintendent pay. And I think he just came up short of that because that's the whole reason he wanted to go in April. He was going to have that final four years. But all in all, what they do is your last 48 checks, right? So, you, you know, your last four years of checks, they just averaged out. If you make 2000 2000 5000 6000 yeah. it just averages out over 48 checks. The interesting part of the story, and like most people forgot about this, is that when you're promoted to some chief for the police department, you leave the city at your highest career rank. So your highest union rank. Uh, say, for example, he was a captain. Uh, yeah, captain. Um, he gets bumped up, bumped up, bumped up. He is the superintendent. She goes, I'm firing you. Yes. Uh, that's, uh, okay. I'm asking you. Yeah, that's cool. You're going to fire me. Uh, tomorrow, I'm a, I'm a captain. Where do I go to be captain at? Because the only way you can get fired is by the police board. Yeah. So you can't fire somebody uh, like a police officer like that. So you can demote him. And it's a slap on the hand, and, you know, it's more of a, uh, you know, what do I do, you know, stuff like that. So most of them just go, all right, screw it, I'm going to retire. But, yeah, she can't just outright fire him. He just, you know, goes back down to his career service rank. I got rank. you. And, uh, but he, he had resigned, retired anyway, so uh, yeah. he's left. And so here was the question somebody asked me, and you, I don't know if you, it's even fair to put you in the spot this way. Try but me. Since she fired him. Uh, and claims that he she he did not tell her the truth mm-hmm. about what he was up to. Mm-hmm. Uh, could that jeopardize his pension? This no, is and so that, that that is an old I'll say wives' tale, but an old myth is that if you're under investigation for something, whatever the stupid thing you did, um, quit before you're fired so you don't lose your pension. 
And that's the old myth out there as far as do that. It goes back to what I just said. The only way you can lose your pension is if you commit a felony in relation to your job. So if I fire Ben Jarosky and Ben Jarosky's got uh, 30 years on the job and you know he was uh, sleeping at the job or mouthed off to the boss, whatever, whichever one you want to take, um, you take that termination paper into the pension fund and go, all right, uh, I got terminated because we need a retirement letter, a termination letter. We need something. Mm-hmm. All right, I got terminated. All right, Mr. Jarofsky, you have 30 years. Da, 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 here's your pension. So that is the, uh, that's kind of how it works. But it's this old, and like city workers all across the city were like, oh, if somebody's under, like, you know, hey, we're going to fire you. And like managers would tell you, like, oh, just, you know, uh, quit before you're fired so you don't lose your pension. No, you don't. Well, it's bad advice. Yeah, it's bad advice. Uh, so I, uh, I, I, I would tell you, this is just my opinion. Uh, that would really be bad form uh, to take away Eddie Johnson's pension. I, I, I'm glad to hear it's not going to happen. Uh, the man for, for a non-work related yeah. issue. Yeah, I, that's mm-hmm. my that's my humble opinion. Yeah. Uh, and I also feel uh, that he was he he you. He did a service for the city of Chicago. He was put in a very tough position uh, when Rom threw that threw yeah. him in the middle of that, uh, and uh, you know it's so yeah. I to think, treat him that way. I just don't. And I, I if somebody right had said this uh, from this building. Actually, I was talking to him about uh, Eddie Johnson, and he goes, "If Eddie Johnson had just retired two months ago, three months ago, and just walked away." They'd name a street after him. They'd throw him a ticker tape parade. Uh, he would walk out uh, accolades. Uh, he'd walk out an all-star because he stepped in during a tumultuous time. You know, crime is down, whether or not you believe that or not. Or, you know, there's different sides of that. Mm-hmm. Um, and he he stepped in in a very hard time. Yeah. And just two months too late, a month too late, whatever you want to call it, from when it was uh, the mayor at his side, you know, he, you know, he is a Chicago all-star and, you know, sad to see him go to, yeah, he lied to me. Yeah, lied to me. Boom. Gone. Right out. Just thrown away. And yeah. now it's, they're inspe- the inspector general's investigating. Yeah, throw all this but stuff what did you them. think about the outing the family aspect of that? What were your thoughts? Well, on that? I, I said that on the air at the time. I thought that uh, the, the first remark by uh, Lori Lightfoot was really unfair, uh, mm-hmm. where she said, uh, okay, you publicly fire the guy, and then you say, I got the goods on him, but I don't want to give the goods out because I don't want to embarrass his family. Well, you just freaking <laughs> embarrass his family. Yeah, everyone, huh? You know? Well, why, not, why not call him in the office and go, hey, quit today? Yeah, don't do anything. Exactly. Just quit today. Quit today. Go. Let it go. If... Yeah. Unless you feel, unless that it's such an outrageous violation of law, propriety. Yeah. If, it, but what they got so far does not strike me uh, as that outrageous. So yeah. I feel the way it was handled uh, was it, it denigrated him and embar- So the very thing she said she wanted to avoid embarrassing the family was the very thing she what, did. What occurred? Yeah. yeah. And so I, I didn't. That didn't sit well with me. I don't know Eddie Johnson. Never met the guy. But as I said, he stepped up at a very tumultuous time mm-hmm. in the city of Chicago. And uh, whether you like, I know there's a lot of people come in the studio very critical of him because he kept his mouth shut all those years, looked the other way at uh, all kinds of evidence of uh, police misconduct, et cetera, oh, and so yeah. forth. But 
he was given a very difficult job, to put it mildly. And uh, and plus, I kind of have a soft spot in my heart for him because he stood up to Trump. Anyway, Jeff Johnson, <laughs> uh, we've run out of time. Had this whole other thing about the pension funds. Never it's even got to going it. Any, it's not going anywhere, young man. Uh, it'll be here next year. The state uh, Pritzker signs measure to consolidate hundreds of pension funds. We'll be talking about some great quotes in the Tribune about the difference between Chicago and downstate, but whatever. Yeah, exactly. We'll be picking your brain in the coming year. Brandon Johnson in the studio. We're going to bring him on. Jeff, as I said to Miles, Merry Christmas, Happy New Year, and I'll see you next year. How about All that? All right, brother. Love All you. Right. Very good. That's Jeff Johnson, Brandon Johnson on deck. We'll bring him on when we return. The, the Ben Jarofsky Show is supported by Northwestern University's part-time master's program in literature and liberal studies. Students learn from dynamic and diverse faculty as they build advanced skills for critical analysis, writing, and research. Evening classes are held on Northwestern's Evanston and Chicago campuses. The spring quarter application deadline is January 15th. Learn more at sps.northwestern.edu slash masters. The Ben Jarofsky Show is supported by Northwestern University's part-time master's program in literature and liberal studies. Students learn from dynamic and diverse faculty as they build advanced skills for critical analysis, writing, and research. Evening classes are held on Northwestern's Evanston and Chicago campuses. The spring quarter application deadline is January 15th. Learn more at sps.northwestern.edu slash masters. Social workers, psychologists, counselors. Um. We think that adequate services for special education. Did you know that 40% of the people in Illinois opt to be cremated? Well, it's true. And Chicagoland Cremation Options honors their wishes by providing cremation services directly to the general public. Chicagoland Cremation Options provides an affordable, ethical, and easy cremation arrangement, whether in person or online. Save thousands and streamline the process by going directly to Chicagoland Cremation Options. It's a family-owned business operated by my good friend, Douglas Klein. Here's how you reach them. ChicagolandCremationOptions.com. One more time. ChicagolandCremationOptions.com. Commercial break over. Welcome back to the Ben Jarofsky Show, live from the Chicago Sun-Times. And Brandon Johnson in the studio, Cook County Board Commission. A lot of Johnsons in the studio today. No jokes, all right? Uh, Jeff Johnson is left. <laughs> Brandon Johnson's in the studio. Uh, he's going to be singing uh, Jerry Butler songs uh, when, he, oh, when we really? bring him on. Yeah, yeah. He's, uh, I'm a huge Jerry Butler. I'm going to go on and well, on Ben's about Ben's not going to sing anything at all, because <laughs> he's terrible at it. Uh, I am terrible at it, but it doesn't stop me uh, from singing. Uh, oh, my God. Uh, Brandon Johnson, we're going to talk about uh, presidential politics, local politics, and uh, Jerry Butler. But before we do that, you got an update? Yes, I do. Mm-hmm. Why don't we find out another new law coming to Illinois in 2020? It's our holiday little special segment that we're doing here. Okay. We're calling it the 20 new laws in 2020. Ben, we talked about our last new law. It was our first one there, teaching Illinois history. What were your thoughts on that again? Uh, I had mixed feelings. I thought that was essentially an unfunded mandate they were dumping on teachers. That's what I thought. Mm -hmm. Okay. All right. All right. Well, it's time for another uh, new law coming to 2020. This one involves higher education. According to WTTW, a new law coming in 2020, every baby born in Illinois will soon receive $50 in a 529 style investment account to help pay for their future community college, university, or trade school expenses. 
It's not a lot of money for any one individual, but the intent of HB 2237 is to spur parents and guardians to contribute more money to their child's future education. While the law takes effect in the new year, the Treasurer's Office will spend 2020 setting up the program. The first babies eligible for the $50 seed money will be those born starting in January 2021. Want to know more? Amanda Vinecki explains uh, the new well, law in detail yeah. on WTTW.com. Yeah, uh, I'm, I like this uh, bill. I wasn't aware of it until uh, you started reading it, but uh, I like this bill. See what um, Brandon Johnson thinks about it. I'll give you my thoughts, and Brandon, you may weigh in. Because I think anything that encourages people to think beyond the year that they're in and think long-term uh, is helpful. And I say this as a person who is long-term. Uh, a lot of, I realize I've been through the many phases of life, Brandon Johnson, as you like to remind me wherever you see me. And when I was 20 or 21, I never thought the day would come when I'd be 61. It never dawned on me, never occurred to me that that such a thing could happen. Didn't think it would happen to me. Uh, but guess what, folks? You get old and you have to think about things or consequences. Uh, so I'm a big believer in people, you know, just being practical and putting aside a little bit some for future time. And if so, if this law encourages people to do that, uh, I think it's okay. What do you think? Well, I'm glad you gave clarity, uh, Ben, because I thought this was a law to encourage people to have more babies. <laughs> so, yeah, 50 bucks. Oh, wow, well, I have another baby. Well, because of the population <laughs> loss in, Il in Illinois. Is so that what it's for? I, I don't believe I think that. That's, maybe that's a, a joke. unintended consequence. Mm. My broke um, ass I think is that, about to do it. 50 bucks? Come on. Uh, look, I, I think that the law should go into effect this year, yeah. and the, the money should be available this year and connected to the census. Because I'm all about encouraging more black babies to be born. Actually, uh, the census, I hadn't even thought about that. I, I did never thought that this was to encourage babies. $50? I mean, look, if, if, if you can have a child, the child can be counted to keep our political power, and you get 50 bucks to put towards their education... I haven't heard anything more progressive than that. Wow. Congratulations, Illinois. Yeah, <laughs> congratulations. Uh, so I, it's safe to say that Brandon Johnson would have voted for that bill had he been a state rep or a state senator. Hey, two down, 18 more to go. It's the 2020 20 new laws in Illinois. All right, very good. Brandon Johnson, a frequent guest on the show. Welcome back, Cotter. Hey, man. Thanks for having me. Uh, and uh, I, I said this yesterday when Carlos was on the show. Uh, Brandon and Carlos will be de debating at the Hideout show that we do first Tuesday, February of 2020. Uh, and uh, Carlos was already talking some serious trash about that debate. Oh, wow. Uh, he really was. Uh, and uh, Carlos will be representing uh, Bernie Sanders, and Brandon will be representing Elizabeth Warren. Uh, so you're looking forward to... Yeah, I am. You know, and you know, I have a lot of respect, of course, for my colleague, um, Carlos Rosa Ramirez, and his work that he does at the city council. Um, we obviously are, um, are supporting two different candidates. Uh, my candidate just happened to have a black agenda. His doesn't. Um, and so I'm looking forward to having that conversation. Well, it'll be a lot of fun. Mm -hmm. And uh, it, with the, the wisecrack that he gave yesterday when he was on the show was that he wasn't sure if Elizabeth Warren would still be in the race uh, February. So he said, you better have a Joe Biden person ready to come in. <laughs> That's funny. So Elizabeth Warren has spent $1.9 million on the air. And uh, she's in second and third place. Uh, Sanders and Biden has spent eight to $9 million uh, on the air. So I haven't seen in a long time where a presidential candidate is moving a ground game and is still a top tier candidate, hasn't spent much money in the air. So um, we'll be there, we'll be there all the way through. It's gonna be an exciting time for our country. 
obviously the big goal, of course, is to build a platform that we can win on. And that's going to be critical. All right. Uh, a lot of national politics to talk about, but let's just talk about something on the local uh, front. Uh, just briefly, uh, you came from the county board meeting and you said they were paying tribute to the great, the legendary, the Iceman, Jerry Butler. Yeah, so Jerry Butler, former Cook County Commissioner, and of course, is uh, just an amazing artist, uh, humanitarian, um, uh, graced us with his presence today at the county board. So um, the commissioner that uh, now sits in the seat that uh, Commissioner Butler had in the third uh, Cook County District, Bill Lari, moved a resolution to honor him. I mean, and everybody was there. I mean, he we packed out the chambers today and we were graced by his presence, and not only you know did he uh, receive honor today, he actually graced us with um, with a song. And and Ben, and I can't tell you which song it was, <laughs> but it was Jerry Butler. I don't know if it even mattered. It was just um, to see him there, and I'm very conscious about you know what he is battling and what he's going through, but has an incredible. Uh, sort of perspective around it, a great sense of humor. It was just great to, to see that tribute offered to him. Well, let me uh, give a little uh, lesson for some of the younger uh, listeners. Jerry Butler uh, is unique in Chicago politics. Uh, he was a very high-profile entertainer for many years, going back to the 50s. Uh, he uh, was in The Impressions with Curtis Mayfield. Then he went solo, had a huge run of hits. Uh, and probably, if I had a bet, I, I was not at the meeting. I was just in this his probably best known song is only the strong survive. Yeah, it was, so it was I would guess many times. Uh, okay. So my guess is that the song he would sing or would be uh, for your precious love mm-hmm. uh, may have been that one. Oh, that's a tough song to sing. Yeah. Uh, he had a lot of range back in the day. I was a huge uh, Jerry Butler fan. I worshiped the ground. The guy walked in when I was a kid. And then all of a sudden I was a young man and Jerry Butler had a second career. Brandon, he ran uh, for County board. And in those days, it wasn't districts. You ran it large. large. And Jerry, this I want to say it was 1986. And uh, it was in the middle of council wars. Jerry Butler killed it. He won black wards and white wards. And uh, he just, the spirit of Jerry Butler carried and uh, enabled him to uh, win, even in a very contentious time, racially contentious time in the city of Chicago. Yeah, no, and, absolutely. And, 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 you know, all the accolade that was offered to him today, uh, people spoke about just the attention that he was able to grab um, and how serious people took him and his position and how still he was. And in some cases on the floor, uh, quiet, um, but you heard him and um, very, very effective. Um, people described him as one of the the, the, the artists of persuasion, uh, that if Jerry Butler spoke in favor of something, that it would move that the board in that direction. Mm-hmm. So that's actually very, very powerful. So. Well, I, I have this one moment uh, that I remember about Butler at the, as a county commissioner. It surprised me because he was quiet. Uh, so f- and he, he was like a kind of poker player. He kept his cards close to his vest. You know which way he was going. Uh, Mike Quigley, back in the O's, uh, uh, discovered TIFFs. And he made a move. This is when Mike Quigley was on the county board. Uh, and uh, so he had these reforms. I think he was trying to launch his mayoral career. That's a whole other thing, uh, which he never did run for mayor. But the point is he had these uh, reforms that aggravated Mayor Daley. And Mayor Daley sent over uh, some aldermen, Helen Schiller, uh, Walter Burnett, uh, came over to our argue that there should to for the county board that there should not be these tiff reforms uh really he just didn't want anything over keeping him from spending tiff money whatever way he wanted and he got helen and uh uh walter burnett to carry his water there were 
the only commissioner who voted with Quigley was Jerry Butler. Mm-hmm. I always remember that. Like, I would not have expected that. I, he forced Claypool. Uh-uh, he didn't do it. Uh, Pareka, you know, Mr. <laughs> Republican Independent. He was off the floor at the time, you know. Uh, but uh, Jerry Butler voted with him. So wow. kudos to Jerry Great Butler. history. Yeah, I know the stuff. And I Ben, had. you have it all. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Got it all. Brandon's like, man, how do you know about that? It's, it's, all, it's all up there in the night. Neatly tucked inside that sweater of yours. You all got to see Ben's beautiful blue sweater. It is it, a beautiful blue it sweater. It, it fits like it did in the 80s. <laughs> it's great. You making fun of my sweater? <laughs> no, it looks good. Just, you know, my wife picked this sweater out. All right. Well, well, and you just can't let it go, can you? Uh, this is a great sweater. Uh, and uh, I'm wearing a red shirt in honor of you because you also work for the uh, Chicago Teachers Union, so I was wearing that shirt. All right. Uh, so let me get your thoughts on what went down yesterday in the Chicago City Council for turn it, before I turn it to uh, national politics. I call it the Great Reefer Revolt. Uh, and uh, uh, Walter Burnett, for, uh, for a moment, we alluded to Walter Burnett, Alderman Walter Burnett, joined the, the Reefer Revolt, and he later left the reefer revolt uh we've been talking about it a lot for the last 48 hours uh, the uh, black alderman the chicago city council we're trying to force a uh, lori lightfoot uh to have more black entrepreneurs uh selling uh, legalized marijuana when it uh after january 1st uh and they were ready to pass a legislation that would delay implementation of legalization in chicago till july and they pulled back uh they got some concessions. Yeah. They pull back. Your thoughts? No, just I think it's a it's a great display of of solidarity. Um, the Black Caucus and there were other members of the Latinx Caucus. I'm very proud that there were members of the Latinx Caucus and some folks who were part of the Democratic Socialists. Um, I don't know if they have an official caucus, but um, it was really strong display for the City Council and for members of the City Council to actually stand up and say, "Look, um, our sisters and brothers in Springfield." you know, took this legislation as far as they could take it. Um, and that's, those are realities. And in many cases, when you're trying to build, um, you know, a structure, uh, you have to lay a, a pretty good solid foundation first. And that's what I heard from the Black Caucus, you know, that the General Assembly did what it could do. Mm-hmm. And it took this legislation as far as it could take it. And there's some great things in there, you know, but, you know, <laughs> I can't be mad at black folks standing up fighting for black folks to have equity. I can't be mad at that, right? And again, you know, I think it's like any, you know, dynamic in, in our country uh, that there are laws that we're able to, we're able to pass and in, in certain bodies, um, we reach capacity. And, you know, for the, for the black caucus to say out loud that, that look, here's an industry that it's about to make generational wealth possible um, for, for white families in particular, because that's how it's been rolled out in Chicago. And to have, you know, an, a, a, a law that we all know that when this industry was considered illegal, um, the families who have been disproportionately impacted by the war on drugs have been black families in particular. And then, of course, brown families. I think it's only right and fitting for um, justice to be delivered in an equitable way for individuals who've been impacted in a disparate way to reap some benefit from, you know, what will be a very massive, at some point, a very massive revenue generator for, for, for individual um, businesses. And so I commend them for that. I, I was especially proud, honestly, for, you know, um, Alderman Jason Irvin and his leadership to be able to articulate in a very clear way 
about why this delay was important. And to get it right now, Ben, as you know, um, this is your best opportunity to set a course um, for it to be right for time to come, right? And when you don't get it right out the gate, it makes it difficult to go back and try to figure it out. I also was very grateful for um, some of the members of the Latinx caucus that stood in solidarity with, with the Black caucus, Byron Sigcho Lopez in particular, who was very clear and conscientious about not just his vote, but why this was important, especially for black communities. Um, my good friend, again, Carlos Rosa, the alderman of the 35th Ward, again, stood in solidarity. Again, Rosana uh, Rodriguez, the 33rd Ward. That's a big deal for our city. And I, I, it's hard not to, to, to say that, you know, we've played a part in helping leaders find their voices. Mm-hmm. You know, we've been a part of, you know, a, a resistance movement in Chicago over the last 10 years let's just say 2010, when you know, Karen Lewis assumed power at the Chicago Teachers Union, we began to push back against just failed policies that continue to harm black and brown communities. And so there is a greater appetite, there is more familiarity with how to resist. Mm-hmm. And then the last thing, Ben, is this is what organizing is. You know, my, my, my tradition is also uh, is a tradition of organizing and pulling people together um, to build a collective voice that can help strengthen communities. And that's what I saw. That's how I lead on the county board as well. How do we bring people to the table closer so that we can ultimately deliver what is right and what is just, particularly for people who have been set at the margins for a long time? Were you satisfied with the, the compromise uh, that was reached uh, at the council yesterday? I wanted more. You know, honestly, Ben, I wanted more. And, and, and it's it's not it, it's it's really based upon like the, the the need that the needs that exist in in districts like those who were leading the charge yesterday. You know, I, I you know in my district, first district of Cook County, I believe four of the five black wards on the west side of Chicago are in my district. So that's Alderman Burnett, Mitts, and Talia Faro, Jason Irvin. Of course, his leadership um, was was on display. Um, and so what the Black Caucus was pushing the city to do would have a tremendous impact on how our communities can not just survive, but thrive in this new political economy. And so we need to create more opportunities for not just entrepreneurship, but for people to actually have a stable, decent job that they can go to with benefits and they can retire. Mm-hmm. You know, Ben, you mentioned something earlier. We tease about not thinking about 61, but we all eventually want to become, we want to be 61 because we want to live, but we also want to live, um, you know, in a, in a fruitful way. You want to live knowing that there's just some benefit to, to, to your retirement. And so, yeah, I would have wished we could have gotten a little bit more out of that. Do you think that uh, the city will deliver and uh, it, where it equates to the nurses, uh, to the, the teachers, I just had this conversation with Jeff Johnson is that it brought back memories of uh, the early days of the teacher strike or right before the teacher strike uh, where we would have um, people defending Lori Lightfoot on the show 
And uh, they would say, well, Ben, you know, uh, you're critical, Lori Lightfoot, on th- that she won't agree to uh, hire more nurses. But she is saying she will hire more nurses. And then I said, well, it should be in, if she's going to hire them, she put it in contract. She put it in, in writing. Uh, so similarly, I suppose, uh, if you are going to make sure that there are uh, black entrepreneurs who get to sell recreational reefer, uh, you should put it in writing. And it wasn't in writing. Uh, so... Do you see the parallels that I'm reaching? No, absolutely. And so like, people believe that somehow if you like someone in office that you can't criticize them. That, that to me, that's irresponsible. You know, as much as my wife likes me, trust me, Ben, <laughs> she's got full of criticisms. But I know she's coming from a place of love. And, and again, what the General Assembly did, they laid a really solid foundation. You know, it is a, it's a, it's a very unique, um, you know, law um, that, that reflects you know, what many states may have gotten wrong, mm-hmm. you know, this, this, what we did in, 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 in Illinois really looked to address, you know, where other states came up short. And so now that the foundation has been established, you know, for the city council and, and, and at some point, you know, the, the Cook County Board of Commissioners, we have to look at this as well in a closer way, that it's time for us to begin to build the second floor. And then of course the third floor. And as I'm using this analogy, I think my father would be proud because he was a general contractor. I did not pick up that skill set. But what I do know is that when you're laying, when you're laying foundation, when you're trying to build a structure, you have to have a blueprint. And that blueprint, of course, is attached to contractual goals that you have for this particular project. To, to settle for anything less than not just how we can realize equ- equity in Chicago, but to settle for anything less than it being in writing, it's just not responsible because we have to have a pathway, you know, moving forward. The other, I think, neat thing about this law, though, is there is an equity study that they'll do. And so, you know, in the event, and we should anticipate this, that there will be some things that they won't get right. And how do we make sure that we created infrastructure and levels of this, you know, new industry that allows us to set a new course if the pathway that we're on now is falling short. That's reasonable. And so the expectation that I have moving forward is to, to begin to think about, um, you know, not just how do we create more millionaires in this moment, but how do we make sure that we're generating the revenue mm-hmm. from the sales to meet the needs that people have that I service at the county level, particularly around healthcare, reforming our justice system, uh, redoing our infrastructure in Cook County. I have families in the western suburbs, when it rains, they can't get out their backyard because of the flooding. People in Maywood can't access clean water um, because the infrastructure is just falling apart. Like, we actually have an opportunity with revenue, and, and I know the governor has put a lot of um, hope in the capital bill, one that we haven't had in a long time, that I see all of this is interconnected, and it's a unique opportunity that we have right now, and. You know, my hope is that as we criticize and offer like legitimate critique to the structure that we're building, that we ultimately get it right when we see that there is a potential for it to go wrong. Because if it goes wrong, you know, lives are going to be impacted by that. Why not try to get it right? Brandon Johnson is his name. He's a Cook County Board Commissioner. Uh, We're going to shift gears when we come back from break, talk national politics, impeachment, tonight's debate. Uh, and where uh, Brandon thinks the Democrats should go to unseat Donald Trump. We'll be right back after this. Read the Chicago Reader to get up to speed on what's what in Chicago. Culture. Food. 
arts and entertainment, weekly concert listings, weekly event listings, the environment, travel. I can continue, but you get the point. And for all of you Chicago political junkies, raw weekly columns on real city politics from Maya Dukmasova and our very own Ben Jarofsky. The Chicago Reader, free to the public in newsstands throughout the city and online at chicagoreader.com. Read it now and be a more informed Chicagoan. Hey, everybody, what you're about to hear are the piano stylings of Jeff Manuel. Man, listen to Jeff go. Jeff Manuel has been playing piano around Chicago for years. He's played for conventions, for celebrities, played in basement bars with blues bands. He's played at prestigious social clubs, fine restaurants, and in the intimacy of private homes. Book Jeff Manuel at jeffemanuelpianist.com. Don't worry, I'll spell his name at the end of this commercial. You know what Chicago Magazine said? They said that Jeff Manuel is, quote, as comfortable with Chopin as he is with Cole Porter. He's excellent, and his performance is joyous. He offers an elegant stream of compositions and interpretations that entertains the mind but won't hurt the ears. To hear more of Jeff Manuel's work and to book Jeff for your next event, go to jeffmanuelpianist.com. I'm going to spell it out for you, people. J-E-F-F. M as in Mary, A, N as in Nancy, U-E-L-P-I-A-N-I-S-T dot com. Take it away, Jeff Manuel. Welcome back to the Ben Jarofsky Show. Mr. Jarofsky, take us home. Brandon Johnson in the studio. Brandon Johnson is not only a member of the Cook County uh, Board of Commissioners, not only an activist, not only a leader of the Chicago Teachers Union, not only a baseball coach. Did you know that? Coaches no. baseball. No. He's yeah. all those things He's, and more. And more. One other thing. Well, all right. He's a great fashion critic. He oh. critiqued my sweater. <laughs> he walked in, he goes, what a sweater you're wearing, Ben. I'm like, my God, this guy does it all. He's a fashion critic. You thought I was going to go over with the piano, but I fooled you. Anyway, he's also a great keyboard player. That's Brandon Johnson on the keyboards right there. Oh. Does it all, Brandon Johnson. Look at him. Doesn't go. he play so lovely? <laughs> you know, because you got the new Coming to America coming out. You know? <laughs> yes. Randy Watson. So beautiful. Uh, can you, <laughs> the new Coming to America, can you uh, name the first line of the original Coming to America? Oh, wow. Oh, please. <laughs> Don't That's do that filthy to filthy line. I will not do that That's to you, Brandon say, Johnson. Wow. Uh, but it's a very funny line, and it occurs when Eddie Murphy is getting uh, having a bath, taking a bath, and we'll leave it at that. Um, <laughs> Miles is like, oh, yeah, man. <laughs> yeah, it's one of my favorite movies. All right, uh, Brandon Johnson, impeachment occurred. It went down. Uh, we talked about it a lot yesterday. Monroe Anderson in the studio was all fired up. Uh, he's been rooting for impeachment uh, for a long time. And uh, your good friend Micah was in the studio yesterday, uh, and he had the more lefty attitude well you know it's just a diversion from what we should really be focusing on uh and uh, so what's your take on impeachment well look the 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 amount of evidence against the current president was actually quite substantial i mean it's amazing of the the type of case you have to bring against um you know someone of donald trump's stature um it's pretty overwhelming you know you know what 
does strike me though um, about all of this is, and you know, I don't know, I don't pay a whole lot of attention to polling. Is that is that through throughout all of this, um, his base of support is, you know, you know, pretty convinced that he is still the right person for our country, and so I, th- I, th- I think on some level, as much as I believe that this process was important and necessary, and I fully support uh, the impeachment of of Donald Trump, we also have to recognize uh, that his base of support, you know, amongst white women, I believe is 42 percent, something substantial, white men, 53, 53 percent, Hispanic men, I believe is 37 percent, Hispanic women, 23 percent. There is one particular group of voters that are are clear about who he is, and that's black women. Um, apparently there are 3% of black women that are still okay with Donald Trump. But here's what's interesting about that number. I think that's within the margin of error. That, that, right. so that is, I, I, this is one of my pet peeves. Yeah, yeah. No way. Exactly. No way. Brandon Johnson, I know a lot of black women. Yep. None of them are for Donald John that's Trump. That's why. So I actually believe that that's actually 0%. It's, it's zero. It's a little 0% yeah. um, black men around 15%. Well, that's a yep. big, that's another lie. Yeah. Uh, you can, you tell me you put a hundred black, just randomly take hundred black guys, put them in a room, 15 of them are going to be for Donald Trump. No, I think maybe eight. No way. Seven or eight. You, there, there's three there's, if you're lucky. Okay. Well, I think the point though is, is that. You know, and this is why I think it's important. I know we're going to have this discussion in the last couple of minutes about what it means to build a very radical progressive agenda. Mm-hmm. And it's obvious that if you if you, you got to win black voters, bottom line, you got to be able to speak to black women. Um, obviously, black men uh, very much, you know, conscientious about the history of this country and really what, where we need to go as a country. And, and, and Donald Trump has not placed us on that path. And the Republican Party... And in large part, has actually failed, um, not just you know their sort of their own ideological frame, but 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 they failed in holding um, the office of the presidency accountable, and and that's 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 irresponsible, you know. So for me, it's 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 not a difficult vote, you know. If I'm you know a member of, and I should be careful because I don't want anybody to get the wrong idea about this statement, but if I'm a member of Congress, that's not a difficult vote to make uh, in, in, in favor of an impeachment. But it's also important to recognize that, you know, we, we have to, you know, build an apparatus that speaks again to the needs that, that people have. And, you know, the number of children who live in poverty in this country, the number of families who do not have access to health care, like that has to be the story of the day. Mm-hmm. And not just, you know, uh, you know, Donald Trump's you know, behavior. And certainly we should call it out. Um, but, but for me, the bigger story is even after he's impeached, right? You know, even once he goes to his official trial with the Senate, um, folks are still looking for jobs. People are still, um, unfortunately, there's still no real background checks when it comes to guns in this country, no universal background checks. Um, I passed a resolution today on the county floor um, calling for um, universal background checks for all guns. Um, it did pass the House with some bipartisan support. You got some, got some real doozies over there in the Senate. They're awful, Ben, um, the Republican side. So the country is heading in the right direction in terms of how they are challenging. Our leadership is challenging Donald Trump. But where I believe we're still falling short is that we have to you know, really live up to what I believe are progressive values that, that speak across party line, mm-hmm. speaks regionally. 
um, to to the interest of, of of all residents of this country. All right. Uh, so you, we mentioned earlier that you were supporting uh, Senator Elizabeth Warren. Yeah. You endorsed her. You were on the show. Uh, I can't remember when. And you talked to, about that. Uh, you mentioned a black agenda by Elizabeth Warren. Go into a little more detail. Yeah, about she's that. got a website, the Black Agenda. Uh, uh, you go to Warren's website. She's dedicated an entire website um, that specifically deals with uh, Black America. That's powerful. And you know, as much as I give Senator Warren credit for being willing to to hear from Black leaders and to hear from rank and file black folks around the country. I'm, I'm, I'm very humbled in this moment because, you know, you know, a couple of weeks ago, of course, we celebrated, you know, the life and the legacy of Fred Hampton. And, you know, Fred Hampton born and raised in the first district, uh, Maywood. And uh, there's, you know, his family is still around. Uh, many of them are still attached to Maywood in the west side of Chicago. But when you think about someone like Senator Warren, who is a white woman from the Northeast running, quite frankly, on black liberation ideology. You know, so when we talk about access to Medicare, making that available for everyone, you know, it was Fred Hampton that opened up clinics and hired black doctors. You know, that's a black idea. When we think about her stance on public education and why it's important that we invest in neighborhood schools, because the school system, particularly the public school system, made up of black children. Um, that's where we send our children. You know, it was Fred Hampton's vision to have, you know, breakfast for every single child. Now across America, every child will eat before they go to school. Um, Fred Hampton talked about how public education, it being it, the, the access, um, you know, to bring the type of democratic structure and change to our country that was so desperately needed then and, and it is now. And you know, from her position, Senator Warren's position around infant mortality and dealing directly with how um, black mothers um, are, are, are not receiving the quality prenatal care that they need and throughout their pregnancy, um, that the stats that speak to how black mothers in particular lose, mm -hmm. um, her commitment to that is important. She talks about reforming our justice system in a way that speaks to the things that I've passed at the county level, like the just housing ordinance that, you know, we're not gonna look past someone's record beyond three years. And then you can't ask about the record until we determine if they have the ability to pay for housing first. That should mm -hmm. not be the first thing we ask. And so Senator Warren speaking directly to black folks is important. Now this does not dismiss the fact that we do need a rainbow coalition of working class folks. But as we've seen with Donald Trump's polling, the surest group about the direction of this country it's always been the consciousness of black people mm -hmm. and we shouldn't lose sight of that. And if someone wants to be president of these United States and the type of direction that we know we need to go in to, um, they have to be clear about what, how policies will impact, you know, communities that understand these issues. Well, in some cases all too well. Let's assume uh, that for the sake of this discussion, Elizabeth Warren is the democratic nominee. Uh, to avoid a repeat of what that went down in 2016, what would you say she has to do uh, to get uh, encourage uh, to raise black vote 
of voting turnout. Let me just uh, summarize. Black turnout fell in the 2016 presidential election relative to 2012. And uh, a lot of people, when they talk about this, allude to uh, a New York Times article about Milwaukee. I don't know if you ever saw that article where the reporter went into a barbershop in Milwaukee. Very good article. I urge everybody to read it. We've talked about it on this show a lot. But I just did my own little minor survey here in Chicago, and I took a look at black wards. Uh, and the one, only good thing out of segregation in Chicago is that come election time, you could see how black people voted. That's why I say with utter certainty, there is no way a black people, 15 percent of black men. You cannot show me a black ward in the city of Chicago where Donald Trump got two percent of the vote. So there's no mathematical. And I convinced there's some white guy living down there that uh, voted for Trump. But uh, so in the eighth ward which is a um, overwhelmingly black ward in the south side of Chicago. Just looked at these numbers, Brandon. The, the turnout fell from 2012 to 2016. So it wasn't just Milwaukee. Uh, the consequences in, in Milwaukee were bigger because it affected the Wisconsin's, the way Wisconsin went, and Wisconsin went for Trump as a result. They got the electoral votes he needed to be a, a president in Illinois. But it still fell. It was like 10 percentage points pretty significant drop so in your humble opinion what should elizabeth warren do if she's the nominee to ensure uh that black uh, uh turnout rises and not falls yeah she's got to do what she's been doing and and first of all thank you for you know lifting up the example in milwaukee it's a really good case study and i think detroit is also another story and of course Pittsburgh, because we look at some key places where um um I don't know if we call her Senator Hillary Clinton or Ambassador Hillary Clinton, but Senator Senator Ambassador Hillary Clinton, um, at the time with the with the votes, I Madam Secretary, Madam Secretary, thank yeah. you, Secretary, <laughs> thank you, that's right, Madam Secretary, um, that you know that we lost those states because where the black votes were, we we you know experienced what you just talked about. There was an incredible drop off, and that you know, so this is what we we've been able to. Uh, you know, influence the, the Senator Warren's campaign is to invest in the ground. And so this is this is the challenge about presidential campaigns, because there's so much money been that's spent in presidential campaigns that no one ever thinks about hiring organizers and actually building a field operation because so much money is going to be spent in the air. Right. And you, mm-hmm. you're seeing that with Mayor Bloomberg, um, like one hundred million dollars already. Uh, Joe Biden has spent millions of dollars. The only person who is a top tier candidate that has not spent, um, and she's under $2 million right now, Senator Warren, because her investment has been on the ground. Right here in Illinois, we've hired field organizers um, for the west side of Chicago, the seventh congressional district where I live, and for the first congressional district. That's Bobby Rush's district, one of the largest voting black congressional districts in the entire country. And so the, the campaign is very much committed to like our style of organizing. And it's why I believe to your question, what Senator Warren is doing, what she has to do, that wasn't done in 2016. You actually have to go out and talk to voters. And the reason why that's important, I'm not saying that, you know, obviously you can't build, I don't know if you can build a field team <laughs> that can cover all of the precincts all over the country, particularly in black spaces. But what we, we can do, if we spend enough time on the ground, it can instruct and inform how we behave, you know, beyond the field operation. So whether that's, you know, radio, whether it's television, whether it's mailers, um, whether it's town halls, like there's a host of things that you can do um, that can help reach those voters. And I just 
don't believe that the party spent enough time on the ground engaging voters to get a better sense of where the voters were living. And had we spent time on the ground, we would have known like, yo, this is like, folks are not excited and they're not, you know, getting hyped about, you know, voting. And, you know, we, we might be taking this election for granted, right? Because we're going to assume that these voters, black voters in particular are gonna vote for us because who else are they gonna vote for? And so the question is not who we're gonna vote for. The question is how many of us can you get to vote for who you know we're gonna vote for? And why Senator Warren is invested in that now is so that when the summer comes around and when she's the Democratic nomination nominee, we already have infrastructure in states all over the country. We're already in Detroit. We're obviously here in Chicago. We're building campaign offices in places like, you know, Kansas City, uh, Missouri. So we're in St. Louis. I mean, building these field operations where black voters are engaging black voters so that as they become more familiar with the different candidates that are available to them, then Senator Warren won't be a sort of this um, this unknown, if you will. So we got to really ramp that up. I commend her for it. I'm gonna be honest with you. I'm gonna go on record and say, look, I know this is risky because you know all of your conventional wisdom is is to say spend it on digital. I mean, you know what the campaigns have turned into now, Ben, from from what what they were and what they what they are now. You would say digital. You would see you know, cable buys, local television buys, and just let that become, you know, your, you know, way to reach voters. What Senator Warren is doing is so critical because it doesn't just set her up to become the Democratic nominee. It doesn't just set her up to become the president. Mm -hmm. It sets our movement up to elect other progressive voices at all levels of government. All right. Uh, I have to ask you uh, before you leave about another candidate in a race, one that you're not supporting. Uh, but uh, is perhaps the candidate, uh, the presidential candidate, most linked to the issue of race in a very bizarre way, and that would be Mayor Pete of South Bend. Article, many articles written about uh, his inability to uh, have traction with black voters. Uh, and there's some new articles written about his inability to have traction with younger voters, but that's a whole separate issue. Uh, it seems like white baby boomers love the guy. Uh, so what's your sense of why Mayor Pete has failed so far to uh, win over black voters. Yeah, it, it doesn't appear to me that uh, Mayor Pete has has ever had like a, a laser focus or a prioritization um, in his current capacity or his previous capacity as mayor of South Bend. Um, it doesn't appear that he's ever had a commitment to or connection to black voters, um, not in a you know, real substantive way. I mean, you have retail politics that exists all over the country. So I'm sure that there's some folks in his hometown, um, a couple of folks here or there, you know, will feel some sort of attachment to him for, for whatever reason. Um, but but he, I think the largest reason is not just him not having a history of having real connection with black voters. His message is wrong. He's just wrong. His message is wrong. There's a reason why the corporations and the billionaires, the millionaire class, um, have 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 placed their investment in his ideology because it maintains a status quo. It also speaks to a, a level of privilege that people have become um, very accustomed to in this country and that they feel like they're losing hold of it. And that's white privilege. And Pete embodies that. Can I be very frank here? Only in America could a white man from a town that's not half the size of my county district 
could be in a position to be the president of the United States. And this is no disrespect to South Bend, but I've just passed a budget at the county level that overwhelms the budget of South Bend. There are 350,000 constituents in the first district. Mayor Pete has governed over about 100,000. Um, has not moved a significant budget. Has never had to weigh in on like large scale issues and matters that impact, impact people's lives in a very dramatic way. Has never had to oversee a budget and make decisions around people's health care and how a court system is run, mm-hmm. right? And it's, 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 that is one reason too, in that there's a certain safety that he provides for the, the class of people that have been used to ruling. And he becomes that, um, that symbol, that mascot um, for that ideology and that frame that quite frankly, it's dying and it's losing. He becomes that hope that here you have, again, 0% of black women support Donald Trump but there's not a black woman that's a front runner. You, you, you got black men, maybe not holding the line as strong as black women, but are doing a lot better than any other group, right? And you know, you got Cory Booker out there though, he's got some issues, right? He's got a lot of issues. But I think the point is that you have the most committed, consistent group of voters, black folks, and it's not reflected in its top tier in terms of the Democratic Party, and, and quite frankly, it, it's not reflected in terms of the ideological frame in which Mayor Pete has presented. Mm-hmm. He's not talking about you know, securing public education and expanding public accommodations and taxing the wealthy. He's finding nuanced ways to allow them to slip out of their obligation to actually co- commit to this economy so that other folks can benefit. That's his problem. And I hope it dies. I do. I hope that that ideological frame dies and we put an end um, to this elitist form of governance that has caused tremendous pain to many families across the country. That said, if he's the nominee, you would support him. That said, that's that's it's a very sad state if 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 the choice comes down to Donald Trump and someone like Mayor Pete. Now, obviously going to vote Democrat. I mean, I don't think that there's any secret there. Um, but if we're left with that, we should anticipate another four years of Donald Trump. If he can't convince black voters to vote for him now, he's not going to convince them in November, not the numbers in which we're going to need to beat Donald Trump. If Mayor Pete is the nominee, we, we should anticipate that that Donald Trump is going to be president for four more years. Well, I'll, I'll ask you the Bernie question. I've asked all uh, the people come in the studio and curious to get your response to it. Uh, I call it the Bernie question. It could also be uh, the Elizabeth Warren question, but I don't think uh, it, it applies as much to uh, her as Bernie, and I'll explain. I've been noting this uh, in, in stuff I write and comments I make in the show that, for lack of a better word, the centrist in the Democratic Party really bernie really grinds their gears and he really irritates them and <laughs> to put it mildly and so uh one way or another uh they're always they're, they're letting you know that they oppose him uh and i've heard i don't know if this is going to happen but i've been hearing these rumors reading the newspaper sources say that barack obama may actually make a statement about that he may come out and say you know something negative about bernie which would be really 
uh, rare for a former president to get so involved one way or the other. Um, so the question I've been asking of all my friends of the centrist persuasion, uh, all my life I've been told, uh, push come to shove, hold your nose and vote for the Democrat. And always I vote for a lefty in the primary, lose. <laughs> and then I'd have to vote for some Bill Clinton or Mike Dukakis or what have you. So do you think the centrists will follow the advice that they give the Bens of the world mm. if Bernie or Elizabeth Warren, but more Bernie than Elizabeth, is the nominee? Do you think they'll hold their nose and vote for Bernie? Or do you think they'll vote Trump? It's mm. a good question. I, I think most folks would, would if holding you know, your nose is, you know, is the, I guess the analogy that you're using, I think most folks would do that. Um, you know, what I'm also convinced of, though, if it's Elizabeth or if it's Bernie, there's going to be a tremendous uptick in terms of voter turnout. Um, and that's the part that's, that excites me the most. So this is not just simply about, you know, a centrist making a decision that is in the best interests of all Americans, quite frankly, um, because the world is not going to come to an end, um, you know, if or when, you know, a left, a more progressive um, person becomes president. But what we do know, and I'm pretty confident about, I should say, is that there's going to be a tremendous push for voter turnout because folks are, are excited about those two candidates. Um, there's more inspiration to still be had in this moment. I believe all the candidates um, need to work harder to inspire and to capture the imagination of the electorate. Um, but I am I'm pretty confident um, that a nominee that reflects progressive values you're going to have offices across this country with volunteers, and mm -hmm. that's a good thing. That's a good thing for our democracy, and it's only good for our democracy for this particular election. It's good for our democracy for future elections because we got to win some local seats as well. Oh, yeah. That's one thing that we did lose as a result of President Obama's presidency, that we lost pretty much every election after the first one that he won. That yeah, he, that well, he won. that's a, a topic for an, uh, another day. Uh, the Democratic Party went to sleep under Obama, they had a very charis charismatic leader, uh, very much a centrist, and uh, there was no follow-up, in my humble opinion, uh, and that's led to Donald Trump. It's pretty obvious to me. Anyway, Brandon Johnson, we're out of time. Thank you very much. I want to wish you a Merry Christmas, Happy New Year. I'll see you in the coming year. I'll have you back on the show, and I'll see you at the hideout uh, first February, uh, first Tuesday in February. So, And you also have a radio show, is that correct? That is another job that I have. Oh my God. Thank this you. guy, he's so good. <laughs> that is impressive. Yeah. I appreciate that. Yes, every single Sunday morning from 9 to 10 a.m., WCPT. What's that station yeah. again? Yeah. Oh, it's WCPT 20. They fired you. Oh, right? yeah, that, that works. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Where facts yeah. uh, sometimes matter. Yeah. Uh, well, you didn't get the Eddie Johnson treatment, at least. Yes, yeah, true. <laughs> it's like this saved your family embarrassment. Oops, I just pretty much embarrassed your family now. <laughs> no, but if you haven't checked out Brandon's show, it's really fantastic. Sundays, 9 a.m. A very learned man. Yeah, maybe we'll bring Brandon Johnson. over our station, huh? Our little little thing here. But it's all story for another time. Brandon Johnson, the man, the myth, the legend. Uh, he does it all. Uh, and yes, indeed, he, uh, he has a radio show as well. Where can oh, I get one of those sweaters, by the way? Uh, I have one. This is my Christmas present for you. In fact, I'm just going to give oh, you this one you uh, right now. Uh, as I said, uh, Brandon Johnson, he, uh, he's a Cook County Commissioner. He is an activist. He plays the piano. Uh, and he is a fashion critic. That's cool. Uh, he knows a lot about everything. Uh, he's also a baseball coach. Uh, and uh, I want to thank Jeff Johnson, uh, Miles Conflassen, and of course, uh, Miles Porter.
the man, the myth, the legend. We're going to be sticking around to do a uh, bonus with Miles, uh, talk about my beloved bulls. And, of course, the man, the myth, the legend. Oh, a lot of men, myths, and legends. <laughs> yes. The pride and joy of Illinois. Oh, excuse me, Alton, Illinois. And as Brandon Johnson can tell you, back home in Alton, they call him White Lightning. Give yourself a raise. Take it out of petty cash, everybody. <laughs> Not sure why he does that. And remember, you can download previous Ben Jarofsky shows and Benny J bonus interviews at both Chicago Sun-Times and Chicago Reader websites and wherever else you download your favorite podcast. And hey, downloaders, you know we live stream this program, right? Yeah, we do. Tuesdays through Fridays, 1 until 3 p.m. Central Time. Once again, at both Chicago Sun-Times and Chicago Reader websites, the Chicago Sun-Times YouTube channel. And hey, speaking of that YouTube channel, when you listen live or watch live, whatever you do, join the live stream chat room. It's a fantastic time. Like-minded political junkies going back and forth. People making fun of Ben. It's great. Go check it out, everybody. We'll see you tomorrow.